This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, we are hearing from Jen Holmes. She is a wife and mother and is the Mississippi State Lead Coordinator for Postpartum Support International. Jen is sharing with us her debilitating experience with intrusive thoughts within days of the birth of her son. She did not know what was going on and became very frightened by her thoughts. And as Jen says in our conversation, she shares some of the graphic nature of her thoughts and also that this is real life for people who have intense intrusive thoughts. What is important to note is that for those people who are experiencing anxiety or having intense intrusive thoughts themselves, it can be really hard to hear some of the graphic nature of some of her thoughts. So I want to invite you to just kind of take a self-assessment and decide if you need to either skip through some of those parts or come back at another time and listen when you feel ready. Another really important point that Jen brings in is that when she was going through these intrusive thoughts in the very beginning, she thought she might be experiencing postpartum psychosis because her only experience hearing these intense postpartum things was related to the media representations of postpartum psychosis mothers who had either harmed themselves or their children. There is a wide range of postpartum psychosis experience, and unfortunately, the media portrayal is often incorrect or sensationalized, or even inhumane. So I would like to offer that if you want to learn more about postpartum psychosis, please listen to episode 258 with Michelle Davidson. And for people who are experiencing intrusive thoughts and want to learn more about them, or learn from a clinical perspective how postpartum OCD and intrusive thoughts in particular show up for people, please listen to episode 205 of the Mom and Mind podcast, Destigmatizing Intrusive Thoughts with Dr. Nicole Fairbrother. I really want to thank Jen for coming on to share her experience. Her goal really is to share in order to make sure that other people know that they are not alone. 
And the nature of intrusive thoughts and how difficult they can be really does make people feel alone. It makes them feel like they're losing their mind, or it might make them even afraid of their own thoughts. The more we talk about it, the more we understand, the more you know that help is available, the less likely you will have to suffer. Let's hear from Jen. Welcome, Jen. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I... I'm grateful that you're coming on to share your story and imagine, and I I can safely say, I know you know that the stories like yours are important to hear and really to help people understand what's actually happening for people and reduce the stigma and help people get the help that they need. And so I'm grateful that you're coming on to share. I'm thankful that you have a platform that I can actually share and that I use during my postpartum. So It helped me, and now I just want to help other moms. Oh, I love that. Cool. I'm so glad it was helpful. And yes, I know that you sharing your story will be helpful for other folks too. So given that, yeah, just start wherever you'd like to start with your own story. Okay, great. Thank you. I like to kind of start during my pregnancy because it was like the most perfect pregnancy, really. There were no like complications. I found out I was pregnant like the day of my missed period, so everything was fine. We were planning on it, so it was a planned pregnancy with my husband. And throughout the whole first trimester, I didn't get sick once. The second trimester was perfect. I was active. I was working out. I was, we were here in Mississippi. I was on my kayak. I was doing yard work. Like everything was fine. I would say the only little hiccup but everything turned out to be fine, but my baby was breech. So during the 20-week ultrasound, we did see that he was still head up, but the ultrasound technician and my OB said that like he has time to go head down before you know, I give birth. So I would say that was like the first time that I felt like a little anxious about like, oh, what ifs and all that stuff. Is he going to be okay? What's going to happen? But other than that, everything was fine. Like I didn't have any traumatic birth, really nothing during my pregnancy happened that would cause my postpartum to be so catastrophic. So it was just like out of the blue nowhere. But Noah was born on April 28th. I did have a C-section, but everything was great with that C-section. Everything was relaxed. My OB played like classical music. Like Mm -hmm. she was super calm. And she was also very confident. So her confidence made me feel calm. My husband was there. My dad and my stepmom, they, I'm from Pennsylvania. So they still live in Pennsylvania. They were flying on down. So everything was fine. Mm -hmm. My baby was eight pounds, 10 ounces. And he was the most perfect baby ever. So really, I thought like I nailed this. Like I nailed this pregnancy. This postpartum is going to be fantastic. And I also read some books. Uh, what do you expect when you're expecting? Also, there's like another book that I got off of Amazon. So I felt really prepared. I felt really confident and I felt super happy mm-hmm. after Noah was born. But everything that happened, I would say after like two, three days postpartum, completely blindsided me. We were, mm-hmm. I was so unprepared for postpartum and I didn't know it. You know, I thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. I took some online classes. I knew about breastfeeding, or I just knew as much as I could about breastfeeding. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what happened during my postpartum was so scary to me. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, when I was reading books about it, 
what I experienced was never in those books. So I guess I can start with, I was in the hospital with Noah. I was, so I had him on a Wednesday and it was a Friday morning. Like that's when my whole postpartum journey really began. I remember I was getting discharged that morning. It was a super sunny day. We had the curtains open and my husband went down to grab some breakfast to bring back up. And he asked me if I wanted to hold Noah, my baby. And I was like, yeah, of course I want to hold him. So I was in the hospital bed and I was holding Noah and, you know, he was swaddled and I put the swaddle down a little bit and I was rubbing his arm because he had, everything was just so chunky. (laughs) Everything was just so squishy. It was, oh my gosh, he was so sweet. Still is, but he's like a little tiny dude right now. Like, but when he was a baby, (laughs) he was chunky. All right. So I was holding him and it was like perfect bliss. And I remember I just started to pray. I was like, dear Lord, we're taking Noah home. Please watch off after Noah. Please watch after me. Please let me know like what to do, what I need to do it. And that was when I had my very first, it was an image in my head that just popped out of nowhere. And it was me holding him and then just tossing him onto the hospital floor. And his head was bouncing. Mm-hmm. And that's an intense first intrusive thought. Yeah, it was. That's what totally started my whole downfall because I did not know what that meant. And I remember mm-hmm. feeling panicked. Right. My neck started to get really hot. My heart started to beat faster. Like I just felt like, oh my God. And I didn't know what was going on. Right. I tried to forget about it, like not really like think about it. Like I tried to not think about it, which made everything worse. But then nurses come in, my husband came back with breakfast and we were just getting packed up, getting Noah ready to take him home and doing my discharge and everything was fine from that point on. And I remember doing the postpartum depression test. Mm-hmm. What I don't know. It, it was stupid, but it didn't help. <laughs> It didn't uh-huh. really help with what I was going through, but I do remember I checked, I said, yes, like everything's fine. No, I don't have any, like, I don't know. I didn't want to harm myself. So I was like, no, no, no. The only thing that kind of like threw a red flag was the nurse asked, do I put pressure on myself when I don't need to put pressure or something? It was like one of those questions. Mm-hmm. And I just said yes to that because I remember feeling really pressured to breastfeed. And I felt pressured when, you know how the babies are born at a heavier weight and then they kind of like lose weight during mm-hmm. their hospital stay. I Noah wasn't eight pounds, 10 ounces when we left. He was a lot lighter than that. And I remember putting pressure on me like, oh my gosh, I should have breastfed every hour. I should have done this. Mm-hmm. I should have done that. So that was the only red flag that really like popped up for the nurse. And she told my husband to keep an eye on me. And I was like, he doesn't need to keep an eye on me. I'm fine. Like <laughs> everything is fine. I'm going to be the best. No. So then we, we all got ready. We all went home and it just happened so perfectly that we got home like five minutes before my dad and my stepmom arrived and we introduced our baby to our dog and our cats and everything was so peaceful. And that night was just really relaxed. And my stepmom was preparing dinner 
and they asked if I wanted to take a nap like on the recliner while she was preparing dinner and I was like you know what I would love to so I just got done nursing Noah I leaned back the recliner my husband put a blanket on me like he kind of tucked me in everything like I had my family all around me Noah was safe and then I had this extremely scary when I was like I had my eyes closed and I was just like in the most relaxed state ever. I had this intrusive thought pop up of me killing Noah with a hammer. And that may be a bit graphic. Yeah, that's really graphic. But that was the second intrusive thought that I had. And so it began the spiral. I remember my eyes. I just like opened wide. I I had no idea what was happening. I got so, so hot. I took the blanket off of me. I leaned up in the recliner and I was like, what the heck? Like, I thought that I had psychosis. I thought, okay, I was like, this is what happens in the news. Mm. And when you hear those really awful stories of moms with postpartum psychosis, that's usually the mom harming the baby or harming herself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is what I've heard about psychosis. It's psychosis. And I was like, but I thought it was rare. And I never read about it in my books. I only read about postpartum depression. So I had no idea. So I go into the bathroom and I kind of had this moment of, I can't let it happen. And I can't let this go on any further because what if I do actually, you know, enter full on like psychosis, am I going to harm my baby? That's when I made the split decision of actually trying to kill myself which was um, so at, at this point nobody knows what's going on nope <laughs> uh-huh no just me so this is day three like let me think two wednesday i had them friday I went home this was friday evening wow so that is super fast um for yeah. like for you to feel like one way and then all of a sudden feel another way and then try and wrap your head around what yeah. in the what is happening it was yeah. terrible uh-huh yeah, and it, it did. It happened so fast. I mean, yeah, I had a perfect pregnancy, but I also knew that I had anxiety. But everything was fine during my pregnancy. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be fine. Like when I talked to my husband about this, he's probably sick of hearing me for the past two years. <laughs> I'm like talking about, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. What I came to the conclusion of is I felt like I would be fine with postpartum because I feel like I've already been through depression like my parents got divorced when I was in high school so I had like a really low spot but I made it out like I was like okay you know if I get depressed or sad like I make it out and you know during college I went for pre-vet so there was a lot of times when I was anxious but I was able to cope I got active I kayaked like I felt like okay well I'll make it out mm. but to have an intrusive thought a scary scary thought of harming your newborn i never experienced that before. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it scared the crap out of me. And I didn't even know what an intrusive thought was. Right. That's kind of the, the kicker. So I remember I was in the bathroom. And I saw the razor, just my shaving razor. And I, I was like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna go into the bathtub. Noah will live. Everything will be fine with Noah. But the thing that kind of slowed me down is wait, he has to eat every two hours. And I was breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And I never looked into formula. I never bought formula. So how is he going to eat if I'm not here? So that pause 
that I was thinking, my husband knocked on the door and was like, hey, are you okay? Because he usually helped me since I had a C-section and the recovery and stuff. He usually helped me like in the bathroom. So he was wondering like, hey, why are you there alone? Yeah. And that's when I lost it. And I was like, Alex, no. I was like, I am not okay. I said, I don't know what's happening. I remember telling him, I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what's going on. He's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I am having, I just had this scary thought. And I said, I promise. I was crying. I was like, I would never, ever hurt Noah. He's like, I know you won't. And I said, I promise I won't hurt him. So I was hysterical and I was hugging him and I told him about the scary thought. And he says, he's so calm. Oh my gosh, if you would meet him, he is the opposite of me. He's like, it's probably your hormones. He's like, we're going to talk to your doctor. We'll call your doctor. So we called my OB. When was that? This might have, yeah, this was Friday. So we called and got an appointment. They actually didn't see me. They got an appointment for Monday morning at like 9 a.m. when they opened. He's like, can you make it through the weekend? And I was like, I mean, I guess so. But we didn't tell my dad or my stepmom at that point. So that was Friday evening. I didn't eat anything. I didn't eat. I didn't drink. I couldn't even take my Tylenol. Like the whole night was just a blur, but everybody went to bed. And then the next morning, oh, well, this happened throughout the whole night. So it was just like intrusive thought after another, after another, Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. Every time I seemed to close my eyes, one would like pop into my head. It was an absolute nightmare. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So then the the next morning is when I told my dad that I'm having these nightmares. And he was like, well, they're just nightmares. It's okay. And I was like, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. So we all kind of like talked. I talked to my stepmom. I talked to my dad. I talked to, I mean, my husband, he was up all night. Like we didn't get any sleep. And they never heard of it, of intrusive thoughts. But I 
got into my phone and I remember searching postpartum vivid thoughts because that's really what they were. They were so vivid. I mean, Mm. I hated it. Mm -hmm. And this, I don't even know what the website is called, but it's talked about intrusive thoughts. And I was like, intrusive thoughts like I was sounding it out almost like I was, I was like learning it for the very first time yeah, I was like, sure. intrusive thoughts. and I opened up the article and it said about postpartum depression intrusive thoughts and it gave examples of mom having intrusive thoughts of stabbing her baby drowning her baby even like sexual intrusive thoughts and I was like that's it I was like I'm having intrusive thoughts I guess it's not psychosis like I was like okay but I say, okay, like I was relieved. I still wasn't relieved. I still oh, was right, a right, right. complete and utter mess. And I remember taking my phone to my dad. So my dad, this is his first grandbaby. He is in seventh heaven. Nothing can phase him. Mm-hmm. But when I gave him the cell phone and he was reading like stabbing your baby, intrusive thoughts of drowning your baby, he's like, oh, oh. And he like hands the phone back to me. He's like, I don't know about that. And So I was like, okay, like this is what's happening. And I don't know, it just the weekend, I don't know, I would say it was a blur, but I still remember it. It was just, it just happened so slowly, but we all kind of just tried to work through it. You know, my stepmom was still making meals. She was helping with laundry. She was helping with Noah. She was helping my husband. Like everything was just, we just tried to enjoy the time, even though I was not enjoying it at all. Right. But then my friend messaged me and she asked how I was doing. And I was like, how am I doing? I was like, Mm -hmm. I am a mess. I was like, I didn't tell her about intrusive thoughts because I didn't want people to know. I was like humiliated. But I remember saying that I feel afraid. And I said, I feel like something bad is going to happen to Noah. That's what I told her. And she said, do you want to talk to my friend? It's a family friend. And I said, no, like, no, I don't want to talk to anybody. And she said, well, she had these thoughts of murdering her babies. And I was like, oh, gosh, whoa, why'd she do that? Like, I was playing it off like I had no idea. Mm. And I was like, well, what's her name? Because I was totally going to reach out to her. Like, Mm -hmm. I needed somebody to talk to. And she said, well, I'll have her message you. And the mom messaged me, like, that evening. And she Mm. introduced herself. And she said, I had something called postpartum OCD. And she said that she had intrusive thoughts of harming her kids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, because I thought I was like all alone. I was like, you really did. I was like, you had, I checked her Facebook and she had three kids. And I was like, you went through this three times? I was like, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. But she now runs this support group up in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. where she helps moms because she went through it. Mm -hmm. And she was able to give me some resources just to read before I saw my OB. Great. And she actually said, it's how you react to the thoughts is kind of like how you're going to get through this. Because if you're panicking and trying to push them away, which is exactly what I was doing, I was trying to think of anything under the sun. If I didn't have to think about a scary intrusive thought, Mm -hmm. she says, just let them come and let them go. And she actually told me name it to tame it kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, that's an intrusive thought. I mean, it happened every five seconds, but I was just trying to do that. And it seemed to keep me okay. Mm-hmm. Every five seconds, or that is a frequent amount of having to try and cope with. It's like constantly being hit by a wave. 
Mm-hmm. Just over and over and over again. I'm trying to like regain your footing and then kind of being, it's a lot of like overstimulation constantly. Oh, absolutely. So I just start crying at the dinner table and they're wondering what's wrong. And I was like, I just had one of those things called intrusive thoughts. And they're like, oh, we'll just try to eat. And I was like, I can't eat. Like I wasn't eating. I couldn't do anything. They were just a nightmare. And I remember at night I would try to oh, try to count sheep, try to think of just happy things. And I remember thinking, okay, I feel most at peace when I'm mowing, which sounds so weird but I love to mow our yard I Mm -hmm. absolutely love it we have a zero turn so I remember okay I'm on the lawnmower and I was just trying to calm myself down I was like okay well that like never mind that like nothing absolutely nothing helped me at all so like basically every just daily task you were doing or a lot of the daily tasks you were doing somehow the intrusive thoughts included him but in a really catastrophic way the eating, Every single one. mowing the lawn, just normal, just trying to oh, hold everything. him. Yeah. Oh, right. I marked down every time I breastfeed him. And I mean, this may be graphic, but it's real life. And I used a pen on a notepad because I didn't download any apps yet to track my breastfeeding. So I'd write it on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. But that pen, I had an intrusive thought of using that pen as a weapon. So I stopped using the pen. Mm-hmm. I put the pen and the notepad away, or I gave it to my husband. And I said, can you write down 9.30 a.m. is when I fed him last. So right. everything. Right. So like just what you're describing right now is so real that and common with intrusive thoughts and OCD is like the thing that scares you the most, you start to avoid doing because you don't want that thing to happen. Like you are no. literally trying right. to avoid all of the thoughts, doing any kind of harm to your child or to your You know, like, and it's like the intensity for you was, I mean, this is still very soon postpartum, right? This was three or four days postpartum, yeah. How long did that intensity last? Like where it was, this is still before you went to see the doctor? Yes. Uh Okay, so the intensity, I would say lasted about a week or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like talking to you about this because you understand that, yes, I had those intrusive thoughts, but I didn't want to do it. That was the absolutely last thing ever, never, ever would do that. And I've talked to a couple moms that don't understand intrusive thoughts. They don't understand OCD. And I remember telling this one mom that I met just through Facebook, how I had like intrusive thoughts of harming. And she was trying to share her story. And she's like, yeah, girl, I remember getting so mad at my baby. I said that I was just going to throw him against the wall. And I was like, we're not talking about the same thing here. I was like, this happened when I was the most calm. These thoughts, like, I didn't want to do it. I was never mad. I still have never been mad at him. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. get, it it wasn't out of anger, if that makes sense. Um, No, absolutely. And it's such an important distinction. And and because so many people misunderstand what happens for people, they make assumptions about like the mom who's experiencing it or the dad or the parent, whoever's experiencing it, there's some sort of intent behind it or that there's some sort Mm of, yeah, other stuff going on or that they're an angry person or whatever. But it is like you're so worried about this vulnerable baby that the worry, it's not even a conscious worry all the time, but like it turns into this like fear of the worst thing happening 
in that moment. And it sounds like for you, like that was moment to moment, like whatever was in front of you was like incorporated him into the worst possible thing that could happen. And yes, you absolutely didn't want that to happen. No way. And I don't even remember ever having intrusive thoughts like that before baby. Like I do remember, you know, if it's snowy, because I'm from Pennsylvania. So if the roads are snowy, I kind of picture like, what if I slip on black ice and, you know, my car like spins in a circle. Like that didn't really fluster me. It made me drive slower. Like it made me like be more alert. But when I was having these like visions and intrusive thoughts of like harm, I was like, we've got to stop this like ASAP. Like, I don't even know what my brain is doing. I remember doing a podcast and saying like, it's like they handed me my baby and a brand new brain. Like Mm. it was not my brain. Like Mm -hmm. it was total chaos that whole entire weekend. Mm -hmm. Constant worry. So, right. And the other thing you mentioned is that for whatever reason, like because of the intensity of what you're experiencing, you were experiencing, you couldn't do like the normal functioning stuff like eating and sleeping even when you had a chance. And it was just like your brain was taken over. Now that I said that taken over out loud, I also Mm -hmm. just want to make a distinction that you were still present in there. It wasn't like you were. Oh, yes. Because for people who do have a psychosis, I just didn't want the taken over to be misconstrued as as a psychosis type of taken over. I'm just talking about like that it felt you knew what was happening, but it felt out of control. Is that a better way to say it? That's it. No, that's perfect. Oh, yeah. I was very aware. I was Mm -hmm. very aware that I was in hell. (laughs) Uh I was, yeah, very conscious. I knew knew right from wrong, I guess Mm -hmm. we could say. Like I knew that those were super scary, but nothing ever pushed me to actually doing it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I avoided knives. I remember I would just, or even like today when everything is back to normal, I'll wash our knives. I don't put them in the dishwasher. I wash them and then I put them on the drying mat. Mm-hmm. But like postpartum, I would wash it. I would grab a towel really fast, dry it, stick it away. Don't see it. Like I mm-hmm. could not have them out on the counter. Mm-hmm. Right now they're out on the counter drying. But oh, postpartum, right. I was like, heck no, I can't do that. Right. So you're trying to take away anything that could contribute to an intrusive thought from like, you know, just your anything, just your sight. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. It was awful. Oh, so Monday is when I saw my OBGYN. And so my husband came, my dad came, my stepmom came, we had no in the car seat, like it was a whole thing. But it was during COVID actually. So they all had to stay in the car, but my husband came in with me. So it's just me and Alex and all the nurses, you know, the nurse that did my blood pressure, checked my weight. She asked like, what's going on? Why do you need to see a doctor? And I said, oh, just hormones. Like I didn't want to tell anybody Mm. because I didn't want them to think that I didn't want my baby to be taken away. I remember even messaging that to the mom that was helping me. I was like, I need help. I need to get better. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say because I don't want them to take Noah um, because I'm not going to harm him. Mm -hmm. I mean, my biggest fear was sleepwalking and harming him. Like I was like, what if I sleepwalk and do this? Kind of like how movies portray, like you sleepwalk and you can like make a whole meal and in your sleep and then go back to bed. Like (laughs) I thought that that was going to happen, but no, it doesn't happen. So anywho, I saw my OB and she's like, how are you? And I was like, 
I am not doing good. And I asked her, I said, can I take my mask off so you can like see my face so you can like feel my emotions. And she's like, yeah, we can take our masks off because of COVID. Right. And I said, I am having these things called intrusive thoughts. And I was like, do you know what intrusive thoughts are? And I even had the article up for her to read in case she didn't know, but she's like, yes, I know what intrusive thoughts are. Mm -hmm. I was like, you do. I was like, okay, well, I'm having them. I said, they're so scary. I don't know what to do. And I was just crying. I mean, from then on out, I was just crying the whole time. And I was yeah. like, she's like, well, it's, it's your anxiety. And I said, but, but, but why are they so bloody? And she was like, tell me more. And I gave her some examples and she got down beside me and like, she put her hands, I don't know, on my knees or something. And she's like, you have severe postpartum depression. And I was like, well, why? She's like, I don't know why. She's like, but you had anxiety in your past. So if you have things before, then they may, you know, erupt now. And it sure did. She's like, we need to do something about it. And I said, okay, but can you give me like, I asked her for hormonal creams. I don't know where that came from. I was like, can you just give me lotions and like things to put on like magnesium? Can you just because I, I didn't want to take any medicine. Mm-hmm. because my brain was already so messed up I did not want to add like a chemical that was going to just make me you know shoot myself like I was just like I'm so delicate right now like I do not want anything drastic she's like I'm going to prescribe you an SSRI I said what the heck is an SSRI I was like mm-hmm. I was just so confused and I was like I've never heard of an SSRI mm-hmm. like I am 28 and I've never heard of that. I've heard of an antidepressant. I just didn't know what an S like. Right, right. It just wasn't. I've never been on anything before. She's like, it's just what she say, selective serotonin or whatever. And she prescribed me something called Celexa. Well, I've never heard of Celexa before either. And she said, I want you to try. We're going to start at a low dose. I want you to start taking this tonight. I'm going to call you on Wednesday because it was Monday. She said, I'm going to call you on Wednesday. She said, I also want you to see a psychiatrist and I was like oh my god you think I'm crazy and I was just crying Mm -hmm. again yeah it was just like the worst she's like no she's like you just have severe postpartum depression she never brought up OCD severe postpartum depression and if the medicine doesn't work I think our next step is inpatient and I was like inpatient I can't do inpatient I'm breastfeeding I need to be with my baby because the thing is I wanted to be with Noah yeah I wanted to be home I just wanted those scary thoughts to stop. Yes. Oh, I but, love, yes. That is so important right there. You want yeah, to be with I, him. I wanted him. Yeah. You just want yeah. the scary thoughts to stop. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I wanted him. I held him. I, I would go outside with him. Yeah. I had him in like the little baby thing. Yeah. I wanted a baby. I've wanted a baby ever since, I don't know, forever. I've always wanted to be a mom. I just didn't know what the heck my postpartum is going to be like heck I would have waited 10 years 10 more years <laughs> to ever go through this all right so luckily and I know not everybody is like this but that medicine helped me and it seemed to sort of close the door to those intrusive thoughts along with me naming and taming you know I would say that's just an intrusive thought it can leave whenever it wants to so Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence 
whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. With kind of using that type of like therapy along with the medicine, I was starting to actually like see a little bit of sunshine. How long did it take for you to feel some benefit from medication and from naming stuff okay so let me think I think I saw her like May because I had Noah April 28th I saw her like the beginning of May June I mean it did take a couple weeks mm-hmm. and I, I mean I still did cry every single day <laughs> mm-hmm. but I say it did take about two to three weeks to actually eat food <laughs> no like I was eating a little bit but it actually it took about two three weeks to actually feel like I still had my old brain inside, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Right. So that's a really intense two, three weeks or four weeks or whatever it was by the time you started feeling some relief from it. Yeah. I mean, I remember taking him to his appointments and stuff and just feeling like super scared. And I knew that I was having those scary thoughts, but I didn't want the pediatrician to know. And I remember just like dressing us up in like mommy and me matching outfits, like nothing's going on here. Like I am <laughs> fine. My postpartum's fine. Mm-hmm. Like my baby is dressed and matching me. Like on the outside, I was portraying like everything was perfect. But yeah, I would say about two, two to three weeks after I started the medicine um, that I started to actually feel like myself again. Yeah, that's a, just going back to what you just said. That's also super important is that you could, it could feel like there is just a storm happening inside and still put your kid in you in matching clothes. Oh yeah. It doesn't always look on the outside a certain way at all. And oftentimes people are trying so hard to keep whatever they can keep together as a way to help like manage and 
feel some sense of control because internally it feels can feel really chaotic. That's it. That's it. Exactly. And if I go through and look at my Facebook post, best week of my life with my baby. No, it wasn't Jen. It's the worst (laughs) week of your life. You're a liar. Like, um, it was just so fake, but yeah, like I can post all I want, but yeah, it was a total fire inside my brain. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah. That is so real. Just, I mean, people do what they need to do to cope and get through. And once you're out of the, the fire, like you were saying, you can look back and see maybe what you did to try and get through that time. But you listed a cup. One thing that I think is so super important is to have like ha- uh, the lifeline, if I can call it that, that you had with a, it was just that one person who knew exactly what you were going through. That is so incredibly important. She, I mean, and yeah. it's not like, it, you know, yeah. it wasn't specifically like therapy. It was just somebody who got it and who had been through it, had some tools to, to offer to you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I wrote her a Christmas card that says I'm here this Christmas because of you. <laughs> like I owe her my life. Yeah. Just that I wasn't alone and she knew everything. And, you know, I was in that phase of the OCD, which I was diagnosed postpartum OCD here in Mississippi. I, I found a therapist after eight months, but, um, yeah, she she knew and she didn't react to when I would tell her about intrusive thoughts. She's like, yeah, or I would tell her something else. Um, and she would say, like, same book, different chapter, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's OK, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having somebody like that was incredible. And I'm so glad that she reached out because, yeah, it was life saving. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you had that. And like now you're all that you've been through and, you know, healed from you're, you're doing much better now. Like how, how are things going? Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super good. I just started the weaning off my antidepressants. That was a personal choice. I have seen my OCD psychologist, like there's actually a psychologist here in South Mississippi that specializes mm-hmm. in OCD. Like that's crazy, but he is able to like, just give me the skills and the confidence Mm. that, you know, when these, he just says, it's just noise, you know, when like a scary thought kind of happens, like, it's just noise. And I'm just trying to, I'm weaning off my antidepressants slowly. Like I started at 20 milligrams, I'm still at 15 milligrams. And I'm just trying to see like how I can do without it. Since, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't take it beforehand, and I was fine. So I kind of just it's okay if I need to like stay on it. Like I know that, but I just want to see how I can do without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So now, yeah. And um, with postpartum support international, I signed up to do that because it took me eight months to actually find this psychologist. And it was so hard to try to find a healthcare professional who actually knew about postpartum knew about intrusive thoughts, knew about OCD, and also like harm intrusive thoughts. Mm -hmm. I went through, I would say four, one psychiatrist, one social worker, two therapists, and they had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling um, a psychiatrist, 
I was like, I'm going to open up to you. And I'm, I said, it's going to be kind of graphic. And I said, I'm having these really intrusive thoughts about my baby. And it was telehealth. So it was via Zoom. Well, whatever their platform was, it wasn't Zoom, but it was just like mm-hmm. through a computer. And I remember she leaned up to her monitor and she's like, what are the thoughts telling you to do? Like, I feel like she just didn't understand anything and my heart dropped and I kind of knew like, okay, I shut up from then on. Mm -hmm. I did not tell her anything Mm -hmm. because I thought if I tell her anything, she's going to call CPS. She may take my baby. So it was horrific. Well, it could have been horrific. I just lied and I said, oh, the thoughts are saying, I remember telling her this hold on to him tight because he may fall. Like I just remember trying to bring up mm-hmm. something stupid where she would be like, oh, okay, okay. Because I don't think that she knew what mm-hmm. I was talking about. Right. Oh, that sucks. That's It's just yeah. so sad to me that they don't get the training that, you know, that could be life-saving mm-hmm. or at least quality of life saving for people who are suffering. Because, yeah, this distinction is super important between OCD intrusive thoughts and psychosis and it gets mixed up a lot way too much and it's important to know the difference because you got to make sure people get the help that they need for what they're going through if it's psychosis then that's a certain kind of help and if it's postpartum OCD then that's a certain kind of help and none of it should be stigmatized no no you're so right about that. And I even, like, once I was better, like, I was totally fine in July. So what was that? Two months later. I went back through my what to expect when you're expecting. There's nothing in there. I went in the glossary. There's nothing in there about intrusive thoughts. There's nothing in there about OCD. It's literally just baby blues and depression. Like, I thought, you know what? If I get baby blues, I have my family. And I had the best support system. And this stuff still happened to me. If I have depression, like, okay, like, I'll be able to talk about it. But, like, I wish that some of these books kind of, like, talked about, like, other things. Right. It's not just depression. And I think, um, thankfully, your OB knew enough to, like, get you some specific kind of support with medication. But it wasn't depression. No, it wasn't. No, she still kind of sweeps it under the rug. Like, I talked to her back in October and she was like, yeah, your postpartum depression. And I said, actually, I said, the professionals are calling it OCD. And she's like, okay. Like, she, I don't know. Like, I want her to just, yeah. I just want her to listen a little bit. So, and then I told her about postpartum support international. And she said, what's that? I was like, what? Mm-hmm. So I want her to know about that. So, I mean, cause there's gonna, there's gonna be moms after me mm-hmm. that are going through this. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, I just want to help everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's why it's so important to get the word out about that these things are real and they happen, what they actually are versus what they aren't, and that there's help available. And, you know, you, um, by being a area coordinator, a volunteer, you're volunteering your time now to make sure that people get to the resources that they need to get to. Because, um, like, now you're, like, somebody else's lifeline, which is so cool. I love that. I do like it now. I do. Yeah. Now it's, (laughs) now I can talk about it. And I've met so many moms through even just Instagram and, you know, I'll follow a a certain, I don't know, a certain Instagram that focus on um, postpartum. 
And if there's a post that they share about like intrusive thoughts, like I actually do, I used to go into the comments and share a little bit about mine. And I would wake up the next day with some mess, not like a bunch of messages, but like one or two moms that say, Hey, I saw your comment mm. and I'm going through that right now. So cool. So, yeah. And you know, I'll, I'm not a therapist by all means. Yeah. I went to school for pre that not for humans, but if I can help them a little bit, you know, and tell them like, Hey, it actually isn't psychosis. Like, please don't do anything drastic, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, thank you, Jen, for coming on and sharing your story. And I know those, those intrusive thoughts are painful, even though you've had some time away from them. It sucks. It's just really, really hard. And, you know, I know, you know, that other people, somebody who is going through this may or may not have a hard time hearing about specific intrusive thoughts. But to your point, like this, this is something that happens. And I know that even for people who do, do know that intrusive thoughts are a thing, sometimes they don't realize just how bad, how intense they can get and how scary they can get. I know we're all sort of trying to walk the line of like sharing what's real and also, you know, understanding that some people might have a response to them. It's, it's just one of those things we have to let, like, you know, people decide to, you know, and then if they are hearing that they have similar thoughts than what you've had, then they know that it's a thing and that they can get help for it. So anyways, I just thank you for your time and for sharing your story. Oh, thank you. Thank you for this podcast. And yeah, there's definitely help for it. So that's a good thing. Even though it's terrible in the moment, anybody can and hopefully will get through it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you again, Jen, for sharing your story. For those of you who identify with some of Jen's story or are concerned you might be experiencing something similar, please go to postpartum.net, Postpartum Support International, where you can find specialized support groups. You can also find therapist directory and to connect you with support so that you know that you're not alone and you know that it's not just you. It is so, so important that we know that and ideally prevent long-term suffering. Please share this episode with somebody who could benefit from hearing about Jen's story and who needs to know that they are not alone. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Please find the Mom and Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at mom and mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.